The Geopolitics and Empire podcast is joined by Corey Morningstar, who is an independent investigative journalist in Canada, who has been doing astounding work uh, researching everything to do with the Great Reset. She posts her work uh, on Twitter and on a large Telegram account. She shares, uh, I believe, with my past guest, uh, Robin Monotti and Mike Eden. Uh, welcome to Geopolitics and Empire, Corey. You are deep in enemy territory in Ottawa, I think, where the Fourth Reich has established a, a beachhead. How are things there? Yes. You know, what's going on? Give, give us a dispatch. Um, it's crazy. So I've been out all day um, holding back, like basically holding the line. There's two um, lines right now being held over on Wellington and um, trying to think of the names, I think Kent Street. And um, anyway, I can't remember. So um, the cops are brutal. There's snipers all over the roof. Um, tons of um, actually this morning, right beside me, the rebel news reporter got she thought she got shot in the leg. Um, it was a tear gas. I, I guess the tear gas goes off like a bomb. And so it hit her right in the leg. So, um, you know, she had to actually be carried off. Everyone knows by now yesterday what happened with the horses, right? The woman being trampled. So she was down the hallway from me last night. Um, yeah, it's just insane. Like I said, snipers all over the roof, tear, um, all kinds of tactical units. You can't tell. They look like military and army, but I don't think it is military and army. Just all kinds of tactical units that look like military um, trucks. Um, yeah, tear gas, pepper spray, batons. They're beating people. They're picking people up and driving them out 20 minutes and dropping them off. Um, some people have been arrested. A guy I did in uh, just a quick interview. I let him actually do... Um, you know, just speak for a few minutes on, on my computer a few days ago. And then I shared that on our Telegram account. He's been arrested today. His windows smashed in in his car. A lot of people are here sleeping in their cars um, that came up. Um, the thing is, this is a lot. I mean, the whole, everything is backwards. Everything that the media says is a lie, basically, right? This is, and I mean, the whole left, right thing, just fucking forget it, right? This is class war. And this is a complete descent into global fascism. And so a lot of people up here in their cars, they're sleeping, you know, it's cold, night, you know, minus 15, minus 20 every, every day. Um, we're using one of our rooms to help people give them showers, um, try to get them clothes, everything they need. It's like super self-organized on the ground everyone's working together solidarity um today i actually saw people i know from a union um local 663 um in sarnia there's people from a kitchener um yeah lots of trades coming in people from i haven't met personally um anyone from the united states yet it's all from who i've met since last week all canadians from the west coast east coast prairies ontario um yeah anyway a lot of solidarity a lot of community here on the ground yeah i just saw um, it's, a, it's a war zone here yeah i just saw some clips uh today from dan dix of press for truth uh who, who's great he got smacked by a uh, police batons uh and yesterday i was uh listening to a report from uh, ezra levant of rebel news which is great where he was interviewing uh viva fry the lawyer uh and he was okay. explaining just like you that everything the media says um is a lie about all this Nazi stuff or, or racist stuff or, or what it's all a lie. There's the people there's on the ground like yourself. Yeah, there's, there's none of that here. I mean, there's no, there's no white supremacist, anything. There's no racist, anything. This is like absolute community, absolute love. This is people helping other people. 
um, people understanding sort of this descent into fascism, where we're going and why this is so, so important, um, not just in Canada, but throughout the world. Um, even yesterday, the Ottawa police put on their Twitter account, I saw it really quickly last night, that um, someone threw a bicycle at, at a horse, and that's what happened there. I mean, it's, it's so ridiculous, I, I can't even believe it. I mean, there's no way there's no, no one's had bicycle for one thing. You can look right into the video and see there's a walker there. It's not a bicycle. Like it just goes to show the blatant, blatant, blatant lies, blatant propaganda. Right. And so, um, yeah, but the people are really strong here. And like I said, um, so united, uh, you know, so many, so many people from all over the place, all walks of life, every age, um, Yes, it's actually amazing in spite of everything. A message from our sponsors. The Nomos app will help you survive COVID-1984 and the Great Reset. Nomos is a time bank that can be used by communities anywhere in the world. You just need to talk people into using it. For example, if you go to your barber for a 30-minute haircut, your barber receives 30 minutes in his time bank. He can then use that time to pay for an appointment with the doctor. I've spoken to the developer who is passionate about creating solutions for surviving and thriving in the apocalypse. Nomos is available in both English and Spanish. Hurry and visit nomos.net before they roll out the cashless society and put you in the algorithm ghetto. Also, if you need health insurance that covers you wherever you may roam, check out my friend James Guzman's Borderless Health Insurance. One of the great things about living internationally is saving money on health care, but private care overseas can be expensive. Go to borderlesshealthinsurance.com to watch a short presentation on expat and digital nomad healthcare and sign up for a free consultation to review your options. Geopolitics and Empire needs funding. You can leave a donation, book a consultation, or become a member, which gets you access to my brief weekly commentary, a monthly newsletter of my thoughts, a private telegram, a monthly members group call, and my second premium broadcast called Dissident Thinker, where I conduct interviews and provide solo analysis. Dissident Thinker is also available on Rockfin and for supporters on Locals. We've seen in the past, like, uh, protest movements and, and, you know, like, many examples in the past. Do you think what you're seeing now, the people now protesting, they're going to stay come hell or, or high water or it's going to kind of dissipate? What are your feelings with with the people there camped out? Um, Well, right now, they basically towed away a lot of the vehicles, a lot of the trucks, a lot of the trailers that had families um, in them. They've towed them away as they um, basically, they've seized all Wellington, like they've taken back all that um, territory where everyone was like set up with lots of lanes for emergency vehicles and that. um, right now they're holding, I mean, they're not going anywhere, right? It's so important that, that we just have to hold the line, um, for everybody, for Canada, for the world and show, um, you know, just show our strength and unity. So yeah, they're not going anywhere. And the truckers are, have actually, um, the ones that have been towed out and had to leave in that they're regrouping. So they're off in different areas, regrouping and trying to figure out what next. And they've, I mean, the level of self-organization has been incredible. Um, a lot of the organizers who weren't actually on the ground with everybody else, um, I don't know, it just seems I haven't been able to relate. From what I hear from people on the ground, some people felt, you know, sort of abandoned. And um, it's just chaotic. It's just pretty chaotic. But people regrouping and trying to figure out what to do. I, I don't think people really 
grasp the gravity of of what's occurring. I've been saying this for two years as a former professor of history and history major. Like for me, I feel I'm acutely like understanding what's going on. Is that honestly really the the mask has come off and. Uh, you know what's happened in Canada it's like we're officially in a police state this is like a 1930s moment and we can use all of the cliches I don't have a problem using them you know talking about Hitler or Mussolini or the Soviet uh, system that I truly feel like this is a watershed moment and we've crossed the Rubicon and there's no going back that this is de facto dictatorship that's now in Canada and which is could spread. Do you think it's going to, and also do you think it's going to spread to the U S and elsewhere? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah. I mean, like what people forget about Canada, even being Canadian, um, we're part of the Commonwealth. Right. And you know, this, and we forget that. I mean, you wave that flag, even that flag, um, you know, was a proclamation of the Queen back in, I forget what year it was, I believe in the 60s, the Maple Leaf flag. Um, the Commonwealth is 54 countries in the world. It's actually a third of the global population. Um, if you look at the oath that Trudeau took, any prime minister of any Commonwealth country takes, it's an oath to the Queen. And if you watch that oath, um, it's online. It only has about 20,000 views from 2015. You'll be floored, right? Because it, it, you forget, he doesn't serve people. He, ser he took an oath to the, to the Queen, right? To the Commonwealth. So the idea that these elections even have anything to do with serving people, um, sort of a waste of time in a capitalist, you know, um, system like we have um, in our electoral system. So the Commonwealth, um, like I said, a third of the population just last week, you know, a lot, as you know, COVID, the whole Corona thing has been um, a really good um, cover and a catalyst to unroll this huge reset of the global economic system, right? And the Commonwealth actually just partnered with the WHO last week to, um, you know, and these things go, they're they're done out of the public eye. So that's, that's a big partnership that's taken place. And that's to vaccinate the entire planet, I think, by July 2022. Um, also, the Commonwealth is working with the World Bank to, in a huge campaign to give digital identity to every woman and child by 2030. That's the same as um, ID 2020, right? The World Bank, um, you know, everybody's involved in that. So the vaccine, which is also experimental for biotech and CRISPR gene editing, all that going forward, it also is the portal to the digital identity, right? And so, it, I mean, we're going into a global governance and digital identity is um, basically the umbilical cord to the smart city. So this global surveillance system. So come hell or high water for this model to work, um, the, for, the conduit for the fourth industrial revolution is your smartphone for now, right? And in 10 years time, that will basically become obsolete as people get more, um, you know, like, um, devices put into your body right like in your wrists and that type of thing but for now it's a smartphone and um i forget where i was going with that um so fuck, i don't know well, I, my, my, I'm, exa uh -huh. my I'm exhausted and pepper sprayed and really really tired yeah yeah, yeah. My, my, my question was um i mean yeah. I've, I've had the 
I, I totally agree with you. But my, my view is that regarding the vaccines, I think, I mean, there are multiple purposes. One of the primary ones that I see is that oh, yeah, the vaccine. they want every citizen. I mean, that just tells you the fact that they want 100% of the citizenry from infants to kids to adults to seniors vaccinated because that's the pretext for that digital passport uh, system that you just laid out, the social credit system, the digital ID system. So the vaccines, they want every, it's like a way to get everyone registered in the database. Um, and then maybe some secondary reasons have to do with like, uh, you know, Malthusian uh, yeah, depop like depopulation, but would you, what would you, you say were, are the one or two, three top priorities of the vaccine? Is it to get everyone linked into the vaccine passport AKA digital ID. Yeah, I think that's the, the biggest thing, but I don't think it's the only thing at this time. I think you have to look at the depopulation thing because um, it's just actually a business decision, right? We've got UVI coming for the planet. Why would they want to pay for us? We're not going to have jobs. We're not going to have money. So why keep, you know, you know what I mean? Um, why keep it? We have a pension crisis, a huge global pension crisis. We have an aging population. Um, there's a lot of reasons. Um, you know, when you see how much, um, the amount of injury in Canada, I was, I just posted a, a really quick article about a week ago that the vaccine injuries, serious injuries in children are up to almost 400. That's the last time I looked. So this is happening and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many people are being harmed or injured. It's just going forward. So, I mean, that tells you a lot, right? Um, you know, a couple of decades ago, or even a decade ago, if that had been the case, they would have halted it. But not not this time. It's just no matter what, you know. Even Trudeau, all he talks about, oh, get your vaccine, get your vaccine, get your vaccine. So it looks like there's, you know, some things there and things that we, you know, don't really know. I was listening to um, a speaker from the world, the World Government Summit, which they've been having for the last eight years, as we um, basically go toward a whole global governance. Um, that is privatized, right? And that's and they're getting there through these partnerships with the United Nations and through these partnerships with um, the WHO, right? And um, OECD, all these things. Um, so, what were we talking about? Um, but yeah, th that uh, seems that seems to be the ultimate goal. And I've been banging on about this for a, a decade. I mean, this comes from my again uh, Christian perspective, but that the key is the the end game, the final goal is a world government and then we can discuss as you said public private partnership um and it's the, the 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 financial concentrated you know capital monopolies involved and using the state structures as many of my past guests have uh, described um that's like the the end goal which they're pushing us toward and then all of this stuff you've described like these mechanisms these this technical infrastructure is to manage us and control us globally exactly. through each nation which is it's mind-boggling. Like we've never seen this in the history of uh, humanity. Um, and I've been following World Government Summit for like five years, and I and I knew I I, I was watching. You know, I I would watch their conferences because I knew they were a keynote. I mean, the the name gives it a World Government Summit, and it's you know in the I think it's in the UAE or in Dubai. It's hosted. Yeah, Dubai. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so um, and then. Also, something we're seeing now in Canada, the freezing of the bank account. So it seems like yeah. this is the social credit uh, system. So, you know, what are your thoughts on what's going on with the frozen bank account? Well, that's the thing. Like, people don't really understand. Like, what we're moving into is, a, um, you know, global system, global economy where 
you, you know, as World Economic Forum actually says in one of their white papers, what you can access will be dependent basically on your level of compliance, right? Like your, your digital identity will determine what you can access, what services you access and what you are not allowed to access based on your compliance. So the whole thing is compliance driven. So yeah, this is a taste of it. Like just turning off your bank account. If everything was in place, this wouldn't even be happening. This protest, you would literally, literally be locked out of society. Right. And you're not going to be able to get around it because sometime at some point you'll need medical care. You'll need to go to the hospital. You'll need fuel. You'll need heat for your home. You'll need food for your children, a pair of shoes. Every single thing will be based on your digital identity and your compliance to access these, um, you know, basic human rights, like basic human services. So that's where it's headed. Um, um, I, I just want to, yeah, to just accentuate that point and maybe, um, have you explained that a bit more? I mean, I, I saw this coming. So in June of 2020, he, I, I really like his work. So the, the Jewish historian Edwin Black, I just got his books, the expanded edition of the IBM and the Holocaust and, you know, uh, the war against the weak. And he calls it eugenics and the algorithm ghetto. And for me, that was one of my oh, key, wow. key interviews in 2020, where he was saying that all of your accounts, social media accounts will be zombied and you will become a non-entity um, and then you won't be able to uh, buy bread without the government's permission. And so uh, just to get your thoughts, like we see the vaccine passport is going to morph into the digital ID. And so it's going to be linked to your compliance with the medical biofascist system if you're going to if you're getting injected and then it's going to be linked to your bank account, uh, as you say, and then I think it's going to be linked to your social media. Uh, and so it's going to qualify your behavior. You're going to be graded. And so in, 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 in your work, I think as well, and possibly like in your neighborhood, I, I would assume like how you're behaving in your community as a neighbor. So you're going to be surveilled in all of these ways. So people think like, oh, if I just get my you know injection, uh, I'll be good. And it's like, no, it goes all the way. So you might get your injection, but then you might say something stupid to your neighbor or, or on social media, and then you'll get uh, penalized uh, automatically, you won't be able to travel. It's basically the Chinese social credit system. I mean, uh, what are your thoughts on how, how that looks like? Well, I think you just said it. I mean, every every single thing you go to get will be dependent on whether you comply with it, with whatever it is that you they want you to comply with. Um, I, I don't think people have thought this through. I mean, for instance, right now we see something growing behind HIV, right, for coming up for the next um, vaccine, right? This fear, HIV fear, um, you know, you'll be mandated to get that once the digital passports are in place, you don't get it, you, you're not going to be able to access things. And again, like this whole left, right thing now, just fucking forget that, right? Like, it's so important. Just forget that I'm here. Um, this whole thing is painted far right. Like I'm as far left as you can get. I'm here, right? There's other people like me here. It doesn't even matter anymore. Like, it doesn't matter. This is class war. This is the very, very top against the very bottom this whole time. This is a consolidation, uh, um, contraction of capital, consolidation of wealth. And it's, it's, you know, this is it. This is the end of the line. We're running out now of energy and resources, natural resources. This is everything that's left for them, you know, getting rid of us. Um, I mean, we're going into really bleak times. 
And they don't deny that. If you read that, you know, their own white papers, their own books, they talk about that, you know, um, Deloitte actually has a video who will survive, who will perish, right? So we're going, so this is um, becoming new normal, like this, what we see right now, new normal, right? And um, yeah, I don't know, people have to wake up about it. What I was going to mention when I was talking about the World Government Summit, one of their speakers that I stumbled across when I was looking into the gene editing, right? mRNA, they call the workhorse of CRISPR. Um, so I was listening to him talk about gene editing, and then I was trying to find if he had, you know, spoken about these vaccines that every single person on the whole entire planet must have. And I found a tiny clip of him and I actually went to the Zoom meeting and he talks about this vaccine and I don't have it in front of me because I have a hundred tabs open. I don't have my glasses on in that, but he talks about it actually altering. He said, what we're doing is altering the immune system of the whole of all humanity in two years time. So his words, he didn't say priming or, you know, um, different words that they've been using. He actually uses this specific term altering. And this is one of the top people in the world, right? Um, so, I, I mean, I have to dig into that more, but that's sort of alarming. And what does exactly that mean? But basically going into like a whole global service economy where you can access um, services and things based on your compliance you know, freedom is actually will be a service, right? Uh, like literally freedom as a service. And I think probably immunity as well. Immunity as a service. I, I mean, there's a lot of papers coming out and there were a lot of warnings in the beginning about um, things that could go wrong with the immune system from this. And, um, you know, if you look at the if you look at the charts across the world, you see that happening. I forget what they call it in Israel, but it's definitely um, something serious happening with the immune system. So if you're, um, you know, a depraved capitalist, it's a great business model. If you want immunity, you will have to, you know, keep getting your injections for the rest of your life, basically, or you won't have an immune system. I mean, um, that's one thing. So yeah, that, and then get Go Sorry, go ahead. I was just no, going to mention, like, my recent guest, Senator Malcolm Roberts uh, from Australia. He's he's been, and he's a, he's a senator, which is good. So he's openly talking all about this. He recently just said that exactly what you said that they're going to make every single aspect of our lives going to be a subscription service, whether it's exactly. health or, or or work or consumption or you know the roof over your head, uh, everything. And European MEPs uh, also are speaking out against this now. So yeah, I just wanted to mention that. Go ahead. Yeah, so I'm getting back to that global governance. Like people need to understand the World Economic Forum um, came out of funding from the European Union. But what people don't really know, like when let's talk about the Great Reset for a minute. The Great Reset is actually a project of Prince Charles, Prince Charles, um, you know, the Commonwealth. So, and then World Economic Forum took that and used that um, basically as the platform, right, to unroll the Great Reset. So it's not so much World Economic Forum is more like the think tank secretariat for the 100 corporations, the most powerful on the planet that it's in partnership with, plus the, um, the Commonwealth right? European Union. And then the other arm that people aren't really aware of is the Business Roundtable in the US. 
I mean, that's sort of the U.S. arm of the World Economic Forum of this whole thing. So this is really global. And like I said, the Commonwealth is a, a third of the of the globe. I mean, that's you know a lot of people. And another thing about that too, the um, majority of the Commonwealth population, I believe, it's under 29 years old. So they're really targeting the youth population, and they have a captive audience because they go right through the phone, right, right through the phone to your children. And um, you know, they use all the bells and whistles, all the influencers, all the propaganda, all the media. And parents don't even actually know who their kids are talking to, what they're seeing, what kind of, I mean, look at, look what the World Economic Forum has been able to do, right? The global, even Uplink, they have a new thing they created with, I believe, MasterCard and Salesforce and Uplink is basically more targeting of youth, like taking, you know, like literally trawling, trawling the oceans, like just gathering up the youth and bringing them in to um, their corporate ideology, right? And all the ideology behind all of this, which is very, very anti-human and very, very anti-life. And so like at this point, yeah, at this point, sorry, at this point, people have to take a side, like not left or right. You have to take a side. This is working class against the elites this is ruling class this is this is class war right and and i think everything else at this point has become like a real distraction we have to set our um aside our differences and work together and for me that's one thing um you know i've become a lot more tolerant especially coming here you meet people with a lot of different opinions but overall you're tied together by your humanity right and we're all brothers and sisters so it's good to see people still, um, you know, they're actually getting into the city through, there's checkpoints set up all over this whole city. It's, you know, so people are finding ways to get into the city, getting through the checkpoints, you know, back streets, through the fences. And anyway. Yeah, just my question was on that you were talking about, obviously, you know, the the British Empire. Yeah, we know this, right? Prince Charles, you know, the the Commonwealth, this has been in their plans for centuries, the Cecil Rhodes, uh, you know, dreams of world government. And so it's it's emanating out of there. My my question is always, um, what about... because it's global now, it seems to be every country now. And so how do you explain then, how would you, from your perspective, explain the non-Commonwealth um, and, you know, Russia and China joining in yesterday, uh, today was published an article by William Engdahl, who's been a frequent guest on, on this podcast where, you know, he was, he was talking about this and you look at the World Economic Forum Governance Board and it's just um, insane. Like, and, and you have the Hermann Graf, the, the Russian head of the Russian spare bank. So like there's that connection to Russia. You've got, uh, so it's like they've covered all of the bases. They've got IMF head, WTO. Uh, they've got someone from, from China on board. So how would you explain, you know, the, the yeah. multi, multipolar world? How are they then plugged into this? Well, I mean, they don't really care about it. It's not like before where it was like all, um, you know, um, based on what country? I mean, capital doesn't care about borders, right? Capital doesn't care about borders. Capitalism doesn't care about borders. So they've been able to do this and, and at the same time, buy up buy up all the academia, buy up all the science, buy up all the NGOs. I mean, what I've written about for so long, the nonprofit industrial complex, the foundations. Um, I know I'm sort of jumping away from your question for a bit, but even this is so huge and so important. You can see 
um, you know, the resources putting in that our government's putting into quell this because this is the biggest, probably the biggest movement, especially global ever, that's completely out of the jurisdiction of NGOs, right? It's completely, um, I mean, this, this is boots on the ground here happening and there's no NGOs involved. That's why you see this swell, like this massive, massive propaganda um, campaign from the, you know, um, left, woke left, whatever you want to call them, synthetic left. And they are just trying to destroy um, any credibility of, of, you know, what's happening. And it just goes to show how they bought everything up. Um, what you were saying about the government's like, it's true. Um Russia has one of the centers for the fourth industrial revolution just opened this year, I believe China, there's 17 or 18 of them. Now China had one of the very first ones after San Francisco, the original one, um, which is led by Mark Benioff who owns time magazine. Right. And he's like um, the trustee of that and world, world economic forum on the board. Um, Christia Freeland from um, Canada is on the board. And you heard, I'm sure you've heard already that video, Klaus Schwab actually bragging how they penetrated, right? The, the governments and how they penetrated, like his words, how they penetrated the cabinets and saying that he was at some sort of um, induction of Trudeau and that he was surprised when he looked around at the cabinet and realized like half of them were from the World Economic Forum, right? So. We have um, governments now that no longer, I mean, it was already bad, but no longer represent the people at all. They serve capital. They do not serve people, right? And so, and yeah, and then this whole privatization, this global governance, um, going toward um, global, global governance. I've been digging into that a bit. And they're definitely going to use climate change and this whole new war on humanity, right? War on viruses, war on pandemics. Um, this is the new war. Instead of war on terror, which is dead now, we have war on virus. And they're going to use that um, in this whole idea of emergency to um, further that global governance, right? To build this whole global surveillance chain, um, new, new um, you know, global economy, I don't know if I answered your question or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. how 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 bad do you think think things are, are going to get? I mean, listeners know that since time immemorial, I've been saying, you know, we're going into a dystopia, different flavors of Mad Max. Like this is really going to be bad, and like people really start need need to start uh, preparing. And and over time, like my my feeling just keeps being borne out. Um, there's people that are more optimistic or have hopium, but we are really entering into a vicious historical uh, period, which I often refer to like what we've went through a century ago, but I think this could even be worse. You know, we're starting to see rumblings of war um, in Eastern Europe. And so, I mean, what are your th thoughts on what we're, what, what we're going into and what do you think it's going to look like, how bad it's going to be? <laughs> I don't know if I like to think, um, you know, go that far. It's already so brutal, like just dealing with what's happening. Um, it, God, I don't really know how to answer that question. Um, I mean, this whole time, the past two years, every single day, we've been conditioned. Whether people, I mean, people don't know it because that's how how conditioning works. That's how social engineering works, right? Every day, you're more and more conditioned. And the whole project is anti-life, right? Anti-nature. Stay home. Stay safe. 
you know, they douse, they pour gasoline on the whole social fabric. They've caught it on fire, right? They've just left a pile of ashes behind. They want people in front of screens where you are data, right? Where you are money, right? Data is the new oil where you can be surveilled. They don't want you off your screen. The more you're on the screen, the better. Stay home, stay safe. Don't go anywhere. Just stay in front of your screen. Even sex, um, you know, the whole HIV coming thing coming. That's another element of this. Like, again, like very antisocial. Physical is dangerous, right? Biological is dangerous, right? All the pandemics are going to come out of the jungle and get us, right? They're all coming, you know, and um, physical and then synthetic is safe, right? All the food will be synthetic, but everything engineered um, will be, they'll be eating organic food, we'll be eating synthetic food if we eat at all. Right. I mean, that's what we're going into. So, yeah, synthetic, um, artificial, safe, everything else real, not safe. And so it's like a completely different world, you know, that they envision that we're going into. I think we have to really um, what's been good about this, our relationships and communities being built. I I mean, I think we're going to have to work outside of the system as we attempt in whichever ways we discover to dismantle it. And I think as people become more aware, I mean, they knew with these passports and every day they're watching us and gathering data and seeing how much we'll take, how much we'll comply, you know, how much, who will resist, how will, you know, how will they handle it? It's all being measured. Um, big experiment. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, I, I just don't really know what to say. I, I see people resisting here. When people see right now, people feel entitled to have that card. And they knew that. They knew people would feel entitled to have that card, right? Oh, I, you know, look at me. I'm better than you. And look at me. I can go in. I mean, they've talked about that. They laugh about that, that feeling of entitlement. But when people realize, you know, when I said to people, those, They'll say, yeah, but I've, I've got my two vaccines. I'm done. It's like, no, you're not done. That's the beginning. You're, this, this is never done, right? And when they become all of a sudden, maybe there's they don't want to take anymore. They've been harmed or they're not feeling well anymore from it. They don't feel they need it. And as soon as they don't get it, the booster, whatever they're mandated to get, they're just like us, right? They're just, they're just back to being like, you know, the the dirty savages or whatever. Right. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm hoping that as we move along, people start, um, seeing what's happening here, especially with the media, with the propaganda, how intense it is, the lies, the propaganda is so, it's so in your face. I, I don't know how anyone could not see it. Um, yeah, there's that. Just a comment on, on that privilege, like that's a salient point. And, and I, I wanted to mention that as well. Like I, I, last week, some local f Mexican friends here who buy into more or less the official narrative here in Mexico, they've, we've already got the vaccine passport, but it's in the form of a vaccine certificate. So there's not quite yet like a digital app. Uh, it's just basically like on paper like your, your vaccine certificate in the form of a QR code. So you can just like bring a printout or you can have it, uh, the PDF file uh, on your phone. And so what, and it's like you say, this is classic totalitarianism where you, you get the two classes, you know, the, the dissidents um, and then the people who comply and they feel special. 
you know, they've got access and the other people don't. So that you make them feel special. And um, our friends here, they went the extra mile. They actually like laminate, they got cards and they laminated their two uh, vaccine mm -hmm. shots and QR codes. Like they went the extra mile. They feel extra special with their little cards, which they can now present in, in the places that require them. So it's just uh, crazy. And, and, you know, maybe if you have any other thoughts on resisting, um, fighting back, you again, everyone's talking about parallel structures now, parallel economies, parallel societies. Uh, this is the, the big answer to what we need to do is parallel structure. And so any other thoughts on resisting, fighting back? Um, yeah, I mean, surviving? I have one thought. I, it's not a very popular one. I mean, all the things we do, we use, which soon we won't be able to use, right? I mean, the social media, soon you'll need a digital identity. I mean, that'll all be censored. Um, you, it'll, you know, everything will be controlled by chatbots and everything else. Um, it's going to just become um, a nightmare online trying to find, you know, anything real there too. Um, one, one idea I have, for instance, like the how all the wealth has been consolidated into, you know, great big corporations since the, over the past two years. And Apple, I believe before the quote pandemic was worth, I don't know, 700, 700 billion. Anyway, it's worth now we're three, three trillion. Is that right? Three trillion. Something like that. In the trillions, yeah, I'm yeah. losing track of the trillions at this point, but you know, everyone, we, even 2 billion people, you could shut that phone off for a week and you could bring them to your, to their knees. Honestly, we, I mean, it's their tools and that's the problem with master's tools. They always will serve the master, but actually, um, you know, things like that, we have more power than we know just by turning them off. I'd like to say smash them, but I know they're highly addictive and people feel like they can't live without them now, but we actually can. What we can't live without is fresh water, you know, fresh, like healthy ecosystems, um, um, communities, right? Um, we're social animals. We are actually part of nature, even though, you know, we're led to believe we're above it or outside of it. We're actually part of nature. Um, so again, organizing two, 2 billion people for one week, shut those phones off. That's something we could do, you know, and that's easy to do. That's a lot easier than, um, you know, a lot of other things. Um, but it's so addictive. I mean, I think people, some people would rather give up one of their kids than to shut their phone off even for one week. So it's a problem that all this technology sort of enraptured everyone um, and made us forget what, you know, what we really do need to live. And um, yeah, I don't know, I'm sort of rambling there, but no, I, I totally agree. And I've been saying like, I'd be happy just, I, I've lived in a, in a Mongolian yurt in, in the Gobi Desert. Um, and I, I just love that kind of, I'm trying to get back. I'm trying to find a way, uh, you know, people are buying farms uh, and going to rural areas. And um, it's going to be, as you said, nearly impossible to live in, in urban centers. I know Derek Bros of Conscious Resistance was made a great post about that the other day. And it's just going to be become basically impossible. And we have to go back yeah. to nature in a sense and li live analog. Basically, we have to go back to the analog. And, and as you said, it's it's a happier lifestyle. I, I remember when people were telling me when I was living in the yurt uh, in Mongolia, like the Westerners who were telling me like, uh, how's life with those poor Mongolians? I'm like, it's much better. I'm, I'm much happier than living in the, you know, the urban, <laughs> urban West. Um, I don't know if you have any uh, 
other thoughts or that you want to issues you want to bring up or any final thoughts uh, for us? Well, just on that, I mean, if it's so great, how come everyone's on medication, depress, you know, antidepressants and everything? I mean, that's just rampant, right? I, you can't even make jokes about it or anything because 90% of people are on some sort of antidepressant. We have children, you know, suicidal, depressed, um, depressed over this whole pandemic in Canada on um, eating disorders. Um, my own doctor, I, you know, I, she was talking to me, with literal tears in her eyes, all her, she asked me how I was mentally and that all, everything is about mental illness now. Right. And out of her patients and she delivers babies, she delivered one of my babies too. So she was telling me of her teenage patients, how many eight at the time last summer had been in the hospital, suicide attempts, someone had actually killed themselves. And this is common right across the board. So our society that we created this, um, you know, this empty consumer culture society, it's not like it's benefiting people. It, it's, it's not fulfilling people, you know, spiritually or otherwise it's, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just crazy, actually, the way we live, you know, and I, I don't know, I have more to say on that, but I guess I have to think about it more. Um, I, I, my heart goes out, you know, especially to the youth, I feel like youth and teen, the, the most, the most vulnerable in our society have been thrown under the bus, you know, so people could put, you know, um, it's everyone's turned into a brand, right? Everyone's social media is their brand, right? And they post pictures of themselves with band-aids on and getting their jobs and that. Like when, since when, you know, do we post that kind of medical information about ourselves online? It's so fucking weird. Um, over and over and over, I always think of that, you know, Malcolm X, they put your mind in a hat and they take it wherever they want. And that's what I've seen through this. They literally put everyone's mind in a hat and they take it wherever they want. And it's just incredible, this whole machine that they've made, right? This whole this whole system and it's toxic. And yeah, I don't know how we destroy it, but I know um, we're going to have to work outside of it. And um, yeah, scary times ahead. I went, I went through that uh, in, in my youth. I was very, I was a, a lot into the culture and entertainment and, and consuming. And as you said, brands of clothes and, and, and music that you consume, and they want you to, they control the formation of your identity. So, you know, I would get all these posters and, and brands and that was like my identity. And I, I snapped out of it. I, I like, I make a point like the shirts that I wear that have no brand on it. Right. It's like, I, I don't want <laughs> any of that stuff. And so anyways, yeah. um, you, you do uh, amazing work, such deep dives that I think few people do the, the research that you put out. Uh, I think the, the main channels where you put that stuff out are, are on your Twitter and on the Telegram account. Um, where are the best places to find and support? Yeah, I mean, the past two years have been really brutal trying to write because everything's been so um, crazy, right? So before where people had a routine now, like even in my own family, there's been so much chaos. Um, it, you know, even one of my daughters um, through, through this thing um, became addicted to fentanyl. You know, I almost lost her many times, finally got her into rehab. It's like literally rolling mountains up a hill. It's been, it's been hell. It's been fucking hell. And, and so many people, when people say, oh, it's the big deal, just go get your job. And oh, nothing's really changed. 
for so many people. There's a woman here who's lost both of her sons to overdoses. It's huge. In Canada, one person dies every 43 minutes from an overdose. That's a that's a huge problem. That's that's a that's an epidemic, right? No one even gives a shit about that. And so this whole thing about, about COVID is just ridiculous. Um, just before we wrap up, I've been watching the numbers ever since the beginning. And Canada, um, now the vaccine injuries far outweigh the deaths. And the deaths, which are up around, I believe, 33,000 with COVID, not from COVID, um, Canada's 38 million people, um, half of those, over half, were in long-term care. And that's privatization. Right. I mean, we're, that's another thing with our with our culture. Right. We put our parents and grandparents into long term care homes instead of caring for them, you know, and it, it's sad. It's tragic. Like this um, whole capitalist, you know, imperialist, e- even colonialism now, you know, as it spreads and spreads and spreads and eats everything alive. Now they're they want our bodies. Right. They're actually commodifying our bodies now. Like you don't have bodily autonomy. You have to give it to big pharma, right? Like that's messed up. That's the last step. I did another book that I just got again, Giorgio Agamben, the biopolitics, the biosecurity state, you know, that's, that's the last uh, stop in the train station is uh, our bodies. You know, it's the final frontier. There's nowhere else to go. So, yeah. I mean, maybe we can just end it there. So, yeah, that's the final frontier. And that's why this fight is so real and so important. And people need to pick a side. And it's not left or right. It's top or bottom. I mean, obviously, that's what's um, really um, really crazy, too. Like the psychological part where people actually identify with the repressor. You know, they're identifying with the system. Um, the system that's poisoning us, right? Never cared about our house, our, our health. That's why our our water is poisoned, our air is poisoned, our land is poisoned. They don't care, give a shit about your health. They never have, right? That's how. That's why we stand on the precipice of ecological collapse because they don't care, right? So the idea that all of a sudden they cared about our health—that's insane. <laughs> Just that one is insane. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. yeah I'm so, Interesting times, uh, fun yeah, times, yeah. but we have to keep our heads heads up, heads up of the water. Um, uh, I'm kind of the person I, I kind of joke. I mean, maybe that's my dark. They 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 say for us Croats, uh, Bosnians, Serbs, we have a dark Balkan sense of humor, but it's just like, you know, we got to keep our spirits up and keep going. Uh, don't let them get us down. Keep fighting against. Uh, evil uh it was a bit of work for for uh, corey and i to connect we finally did uh your work is truly amazing i constantly share it Thanks. so i'll include the links in the description uh, everyone follow her and again thank you for being okay. on Ge- geopolitics yeah. and empire thank you i hope you enjoyed this geopolitics and empire podcast the website is geopoliticsandempire.com and i encourage you to sign up for the free email list that goes out with each podcast and every weekend with a collection of news headlines The newsletter and website are our last lines of defense. We're being censored and deplatformed. It's nearly impossible to find geopolitics and empire on the Google search engine. We've been blacklisted. YouTube frequently takes down our videos with strikes. Facebook restricts our page. Reddit and Twitter take down posts. And after the Associated Press mentioned geopolitics and empire in a 2021 article co-written with NATO, our Patreon account was terminated. Vimeo also terminated our pro account. The best free way to help Geopolitics and Empire is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere and subscribe to all of our media channels. 
You can find the video broadcast now on five platforms, Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble, BitChute, and Brighteon. You can find the audio broadcast on the podcast ecosystem, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and so on. My current favorite social media channels are Twitter and Telegram, but you can also find us on Gab, MeWe, Minds, Float, VK, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Finally, Geopolitics and Empire is in dire need of funding to continue. You can leave a donation, purchase a consultation with the host, or become a member to receive additional benefits. We also produce a weekly broadcast called Dissident Thinker for members and Rockfin subscribers only. We will continue to fight the good fight come hell or high water. Thank you for listening.